Hi, this is Mike with episode 28 of Getting Everyone Moving by Palms and Pines Parasports. And today we have Akil Whitehead, who is quite a leader in the field of adaptive sports. He's at San Diego State University. Hey, Akil. Hey, how are you doing, Mike? All right, man. Hey, so how did you get involved in adaptive sport? Yeah, in uh, high school, my track and field coach introduced me to uh, his uh former teammate and uh, at the Olympic Training Center, Joaquin Cruz. And um, that's actually how I got involved. I, I was running track and field and you know, my coach just noticed I had cerebral palsy. And after running for a year, he was like, I need to introduce you to this guy. And uh, that set me off on a very cool journey, um, eventually, you know, leading me to run for, for Team USA for uh, the next four years. So that was in uh, 2014. Um, and, uh, yeah, I haven't just really looked back since then. <laughs> hey, now I, I know you met, uh, former president Obama. Mm -hmm. What, what was that like? That must have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, for, for those who don't know, um, once you make team USA and you head over to, um, you know, to, to Rio, wherever the games are, um, you're invited to head to the white house, right? And it was wonderful for me, but definitely a bit stressful, mostly because um, uh, at the time I was uh, still uh, finishing up my senior year of college. And the day that everybody from Team USA was going to the White House was uh, the like it was like the right in between two midterms for me. So I had like a midterm, hopped on a plane, met Obama and then hopped back for another midterm. So it was crazy. So when I got there to Washington, it was uh, raining and everything. Um, but, you know, once I got to the hotel, there's all Team USA there in, in uniform. And we all hopped on buses to head over to the, the White House and the Oval Office. And um, it was just a, a wonderful experience. Um, at some point, we were in the White House all kind of lined up. And, you know, we we're just kind of moving through, you know, there's like 100 of us on Team USA, right? And at some point, one of the uh, people, one of the people working, one of the, the guardsmen, um, you know, they have people representing from the Navy, the Army, and, and so forth, right? He kind of comes over to myself and a couple of my teammates, and he goes, hey, are you guys ready to meet POTUS? And lo and behold, we kind of look to our left, and there he is, you know, 10 feet from us with Michelle and um, and uh, Vice President Joe Biden. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I got the chills, man. You know, I, I thought about all these things I wanted to say to him and things like that. And as soon as I got to shake his hand, my mind went, my, it just went blank, you know? So uh, it was very exciting. And uh, he's every bit as excellent as uh, uh, he seemed, uh, that he seems from, from afar. He really is. Amazing, amazing. Now, Kill, you've done some amazing things. I mean, at San Diego State University, can you kind of hey, talk about you. that journey? Because it's the only college in California, right? That has adaptive uh, collegiate level adaptive sports. So how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I was a senior in college, um, especially after coming back from Rio and and, and all that stuff, um, I had come across uh, two instructors at San Diego State. Um, one was actually professor, one instructor, one professor at San Diego State, um, who had thought about starting wheelchair basketball here at the university um the uh, uh the lady she's actually over getting her phd at oregon state right now she you know attended a wheelchair basketball camp over the summer and was like look at all these kids that are playing wheelchair basketball 
Um, I wonder if they could come play at San Diego State. And once I kind of got involved with those two, it opened up this huge sort of world of college adaptive sports. Now, mind you, my Olympic or Paralympic experience really um, was a unique one, right? I was able to train at the uh, then Olympic Training Center in San Diego, uh, as well as, uh, you know, go to San Diego State as a student. And then I, you know, just commuted from there, um, from home, uh, you know, to school between the three, right? So I'm, I'm pointing that out because I wasn't a student athlete per se here at San Diego State. I was just a student. So when I heard the idea, it just struck a chord in me because they are essentially trying to build a program for athletes like me in college that, you know, want to run for the university competitively, right? And I'm, I'm pointing out competitively because, you know, I know we mentioned before, like, this is the first, you know, collegiate adaptive sports program in California. Um, you know, there actually are other rec programs. So, you know, I want to make sure UCLA and Sacramento State and, and some of those that have been here are, are, are mentioned because uh, those guys do have recreational programs. But we were looking for not just a recreational program. We were looking for one that could rival University of Alabama, where we have facilities, offer scholarship and offer programming for student athletes that eventually maybe want to compete on Team USA. So, um, once I kind of got involved there, I joined a student organization and and really, uh, you know, I, I was trying to be a uh, just mainly like a spokesperson for the idea, like this idea should matter. What do we need to do to make this happen? And lo and behold, um, you know, hundreds of conversations later and meetings later, um, I, I came across some very just, you know, just the right people at San Diego State that wanted to see this happen. Um, the College of Health and Human Services dean. Uh, the development team, Stacy Kuroda over there, um, you know, Mark, uh, uh, Mark, the, the, the director of the ARC, you know, there, there's just some people that were like, you know what, we see your passion, we see this need, what do we do to build this program? And, um, uh, and I eventually, you know, was able to find some coaches, find some athletes and, and kind of put this thing together. And uh, by the time, so I started working on this in 2016, uh, 2016 fall and by 2019 spring we'd had you know enough events the business plan uh the right uh one of my co-founders is a major donor for his keith jones uh he you know he funded uh, a majority of the program and and you know 2019 spring we, we were here officially and i was here as the program director um and uh yeah that that's been such a incredible journey and unlike anything I've been part of before, um, I've it's it's just been a real just privilege just being part of this from inception to now. Um, so before COVID yet, uh, which sports were you doing? And then, you know, once school is back in session and you can meet face to face, what sports would you like to do over the next say five years? Yeah, yeah. So before COVID, um, we were hosting uh, wheelchair tennis and ambulatory track and field. And uh, our tennis team actually, in fact, 2019, we, you know, we finished second in the nation in, in team play at, at USDA Collegiate Nationals. So that was a nice, um, you know, just introduction to the rest of the United States for our program. Um, and uh, when, or actually, you know, even during COVID, we're still running the same programming, but over the next five years, really, we're, we're hoping to have our program evolve um, into a rec club and elite sport level where in the rec 
you know, we would just work with the campus to figure out, you know, um, which sports that, you know, people would just like to play for fun. Maybe it's gold ball, maybe it's sled hockey. Uh, maybe people want to try uh, wheelchair basketball or, you know, play, you know, wheelchair, wheelchair tennis at a, you know, a lower level just, just for fun. Um, and uh, the other thing that's surrounding, you know, just those sports is for our elite sports, we still want to have a high level tennis program as well as a high level ambulatory track and field. Um, we have been looking recently at uh, Pear Beach and sitting volleyball. Um, which are two kind of emerging Paralympic sports. We have been looking very closely at wheelchair basketball. We definitely need some more funding for that. But wheelchair basketball is, we want to step into that ring as soon as we can. Um, and so those would kind of be on the high on the high end. But surrounding the program that I think doesn't get talked about a lot for us is we offer um, sports nutrition, uh, strength and conditioning, and just different efforts like that, that just kind of just support our, our program overall. Um, they're part of our high performance staff, physical therapy, athletic training, and, and so forth. So, you know, we are truly trying to create a, a experience for our student athletes that is comparable to, you know, those on the division one side, you know, like let's say you're on the football team. We want the same exact things that those athletes are receiving for our student athletes. And we are certainly making strides in that direction. Now, you know, I mean, San Diego state, um, you know, it's so great. It's the first in California, but as you said, there are other recreational programs, but there are not that many colleges across the country with uh, collegiate level adaptive sports. So, and I know you've been very kind of forthcoming and sharing information, but what, what more does it take for, you know, colleges to start collegiate level adaptive sports? I mean, what, is there some kind of formula that you would kind of follow or, or, you know, propose to others? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's a really good question, Mike. Um, I've talked to multiple programs about this before. Um, I, I've talked to, uh, just many, even in just the adaptive sports community, Paralympic community that have said, you know, what is the formula for starting these? And it kind of stems from uh, two, uh, two to maybe three, like kind of like basic things, right? Because for starters, the awareness of Paralympic sport has to be there. Like it, it has to be there to the point where not only do people kind of see these sports and see the need and look at the research there right but then also feel kind of compelled to do something about it so it's like awareness plus that feeling of like you know we should help and do this right now the next thing that kind of comes after someone who's made aware that okay there's a whole bunch of you know wheelchair basketball players for example that are here you know the, all these youth programs and only so many universities to go to is okay great these athletes are here now, what does it take to actually run this program? So um, finances, uh, getting the right coaching and personnel. Um, some of those things come up immediately next because, uh, uh, you know, with, without money, really, um, you really can't do any of the things that we're talking about. Uh, you know, right now, um, I, you know, I, I, my team has estimated that it's going to take, you know, anywhere from, from 200 to 250K to run a, a wheelchair basketball team year round and i just think that um uh it's you, you know you just where are you getting the funding for that is it coming from grants is it coming from donors is it coming from 
no, maybe there's merchandise sales and, and things like that. Um, what, what are your fundraising efforts looking like? Uh, how's your development office engaging with this? Um, you know, so, you know, you kind of get that, that, that fundraising, you know, where, where are your financial needs and programming needs there, right? So once you have the awareness, you kind of looked at programming, looked at finances, then I would say the next best thing, which, you know, again, we got lucky about was just having somebody on the ground to continue to do this as often as they can. Um, the, um, when I was a, a younger student, um, you know, my, my senior, when I was a senior thinking about this idea, I had a small idea of what it would maybe take to do this. Um, but now that I've been in here doing this position for, for, for two years officially, um, it is uh, not a regular job. Um, this is something that I feel can, uh, you, you know, it just, you're constantly making connections, you're constantly making awareness, you're constantly thinking about programming. And without somebody there that's kind of working on the program 24 seven, then it doesn't really have a good shot. Um, now, I'm, the, the main reason I'm saying that too has to do with me wanting to be a program that rivals you know, Alabama, Arizona, and some of those, you could have a bare bones program with just maybe, you know, gold ball that you're offering recreationally. I don't think that's too difficult. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to scale with your resources and things like that. What do you have? What do you want to do? And then kind of go after that. And, you know, for some people, a lot of these programs have kind of risen and fallen depending on these factors, right? Their awareness went down. There, there was money taken out of their budget. Um, they, they lost the, the part-time personnel that was, that was working on this and now no one else is working on it. So um, those are kind of the three major things that um, I would say to kind of follow and look at. All right. So, you know, I, I've spoken both with uh, Josh Pate and uh, Kathy McKay from JMU. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of research taking place there, a lot of working with people of varying abilities. Um, but they said to me, you know, the campus has a number of hills, right? Which mm -hmm. is a major barrier. So I'm wondering, you know, how, how accessible is San, is San Diego State? Um, is it pretty flat? Uh, where it would attract people, you know, who use a wheelchair for mobility? Yeah, yeah. I, our, our, our university, um, fortunately, I feel like is mostly flat. Now, with that being said, there are definitely a few hills here that are just like you would not want to go up them if you were, um, if you were using, uh, utilizing a wheelchair. But at the same time, you know, our campus has done a pretty decent job um, of just uh, addressing some of those needs. With some of the big hills, there are elevators right there. The Student Ability Success Center here at San Diego State offers to take students um, up and down uh, certain places via cart, you know. Um, so I, I really like what our university has has done in that area. And yeah, you know, it's that's that's definitely uh, a barrier that um, I looked at very early on when I started to have events here at San Diego State. I would have the so, some of the people that were coming via wheelchair um, to just walk around with me on campus, just to give me an idea, like, hey, uh, is this flat to you? Is this you know, what about this spot? What about over here? What about over here? And no, I didn't travel all different parts of campus, but, you know, I tried to get to the main parts just to get just real feedback from people going, you know, does this feel very demanding or is it, you know, uh, you know, okay. 
but yeah, that's definitely something that uh, I feel like always has to be looked at. Uh, you know, the sort of landscape of the campus and how hilly it can be because, you know, uh, you know, people would rather be on flat ground, honestly, than to be pushing up and down all these hills all day. Yeah, I mean, barriers are something that are very real in the physical barriers. So they have right. to be looked at, you know, so I, I spent time in Tucson and, you know, found it, I mean, just to be a real hotbed for adaptive sport, you know, there's this whole culture. It's amazing. Is, is San Diego like that or is it becoming that where, you know, people with, again, a variety of abilities, disability, feel really comfortable and no matter what level you're at, you know, you know that there's opportunities to play. Yeah, um, I th the best way I can describe it is it has ebbed and flowed over time. Um, so uh, right around 20, 25 years ago, um, I think uh, San Diego was a hotbed for many different sports. Um, I heard stories and talked with 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 individuals that used to be around there going wheelchair rugby was here basketball was here um uh volleyball was here uh archery was here and so on and so forth and over time um the organizations that were kind of running it chose to uh sometimes uh, either disband or they were um you know just decided to go with different programming or personnel went away like i said funding went away so because of that in our community it's changed over time um, but right now, um, I think our our city, San Diego, is making a comeback in this way uh, because there is wheelchair basketball um, at varying levels in the community, from the Wolfback to the, the Silverbacks um, to even the, the San Diego Hammer um, and, uh, and so forth here. Um, you know, there's sitting volleyball that's happening um, with the Challenge Athletes Foundation, and also uh, there's para beach volleyball that's happening with Coach John and Carlsbad. Um, and, and uh, you know, we, we still, I mean, there's still ways to go right now because like, our, you know, our city is just, uh, you know, we're also dealing with COVID. So it's, it's, it's really hard to have some of these sports still happening on a regular basis for everyone. Um, but I do know that they're still here. Um, another aspect that um, I don't always talk about and haven't delved into very deeply myself is uh, part of the reason why our San Diego adaptive sports community is uh, relatively strong has to do with our military base, right? With Camp Pendleton and things like that, you know, we have wounded warriors that are over here that are, you know, just doing uh, uh, paddle boarding, uh, uh, different aquatic sports, sitting volleyball and hosting just different events of that nature. There's powerlifting uh, that was, uh, uh, that's happened over here. So, um, and, and finally, uh, one of the, at the highest level here, there is the Elite Athlete Training Center that still, uh, which is uh, formerly the Olympic Training, uh, formerly the Olympic Training Center, right in Chula Vista. Uh, they do have high level uh, track and field there, and still a little bit of uh, wheelchair tennis. So again, uh, I think our city has a ways to go in creating a very solid pipeline. But these sports are here in patches, and I think over time it will just get better. Okay. You know, Akil, I mean. Part of this, uh, well, in many of the conversations I've had with people, part of this is creating more awareness uh, mm -hmm. so that people really get, you know, adaptive sports. Right. Um, and part of that awareness, once you create that awareness, I think it leads to more a more inclusive society. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're creating 
definitely creating awareness through the San Diego State program and all that. But what else? What else would you see? Uh, you know, you, me, others doing to create, you know, a more inclusive society. Yeah. Well, um, outside of just our programming, um, I think one thing, uh, I think something that we don't utilize very often is the actual other programs that are around here, right? Um, so for my program, for example, we, uh, we are trying to do our best to, to educate about our perspective about adaptive sports from the college space, from the elite athlete space to hear these stories of our coaches and our athletes and so on and so forth. Right. But um, we also, uh, you know, we're not the only sort of perspectives here. And I think that our university really started to get around this idea. Once they started hearing from the people from like the challenge athletes foundation, started hearing from the university of Alabama, started hearing from, um, Angel City Sports and some of my uh, just colleagues and friends over there, where they started realizing that this that this adaptive sports space is just a lot bigger than you know what we're just doing here at San Diego State. So for another organization, and you know, you, let's just to say um, uh, with your organization um, in Vines, um, you know, you guys can utilize us in some way to go, hey, um, we're let's. Uh, Let's let's have San Diego State University come over here, tell them about our programming and things like that to your athletes, to your supporters, to your things like that. And and, and it's really and it could literally just be for the sake of awareness to just showcase that this that this community is bigger. So um, I really think it, it kind of that sort of strength and to summarize this a little bit like we have to utilize each other really. We, we have to utilize each other. We have to continue to spread our different messages within each other and realize that we're actually all working towards the same goal. And the more that people feel like they're part of uh, the mix, especially for someone that's new, whether that's a, a donor, a business, or things like that, when people get exposed to more people that are in the space, it kind of opens their eyes going, okay, we're part of something bigger than us, right? This, this Paralympic movement or, or, or quote-unquote um, I think I think that's going to be the key for us a little bit down the road. So we're getting towards the end of our interview. Um, what are some final words you know that you'd like to leave listeners with? Whether it's you know someone with a disability maybe who just got hurt and doesn't feel like there are other oppor opportunities out there to continue to participate. I mean, what do you say to people you know to to get them moving? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, for starters, um, I have been coming back to this idea, especially in COVID, with um, given everything that's going on, I've constantly asked the coaches, athletes, our interns, um, you know, what do you guys want to do? Like, what do you guys want to make out of this opportunity? Because I think what COVID did for a lot of us is kind of put into place like, oh, my goodness, like uh, this, this life is a lot more fragile than we realize, you know, and if I am going to be putting my time into something, um, then I need to make sure that I am doing something that I want to do and not necessarily just something that I, I just like have to do or need to do or something like that. Uh, of course, it's not always straightforward. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, say that, but um, for someone right now that maybe just got injured and they're going, you know, I wonder what's next or I wonder um, you know, what, what's my future going to hold for me? I would tell that person, you know what? Um, 
you can make it into what you want it to be. Um, there, even though that this time right now or your situation right now may not be where you want it to go, um, you still have the power to kind of work towards the future that you want, you know, and, um, you know, even though that might not be the most, or maybe, maybe that's way more cliche. The next thing I would point to is evidence, right? I would go look at some of these people in this industry, not just, we could look at my program, but we can look at just the, the Tatiana McFadden's in the world, the Jessica Long's in the world, the people that are, are getting some spotlight on like uh, team Jerome or team bravery for, for, for track and field for, for, for that. And going, look, these guys were in some dire situations um not the most ideal and they said here's how i want to move here's what i want here's the future that i'm going to work towards and lo and behold there uh, a lot of them i think are are moving in that right direction so um that would be the message i would say to uh you know to anyone to try to just get them motivated what do you want to do and check out some of these amazing people that are working towards what they want to do join us join the pack and uh, even if it, you don't reach the goal that you're maybe set in your head, maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe the goal is to, uh, uh, you know, make the Paralympic team or, or something like that, the, the all of the effort and process and things I guess you're putting in yourself to attempt to reach that goal and the things that you'll gain from going through that process are going to be tremendous. And I promise you won't regret it. Yeah, this has been terrific as always. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Thank you for having me.